Hey everyone, it's Beth. Welcome back to the podcast. Janica started grieving her mom that she knew when complications from surgery damaged her mom's spine and she became paraplegic. Her mom lived in a wheelchair for 10 years until another complication made her extremely ill. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, Janica's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me Janica. Uh, Janica and I connected last year. For me, I knew it was the first time around Mother's Day as she participated in the Mother's Day postcard. I sent her a postcard on Mother's Day, and then she also was a part of the uh, Mother's Day circle. And so she reached out to me and said that she would enjoy sharing the story of her mom. So I'm going to turn the mic over to her and let her introduce herself and then tell us the story of her mom. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Janica. First and foremost, I want to say thank you, Beth, for having me here today and letting me share my story about my mom and how my grief journey has been. I joined the Daughters Without Mothers Club on September the 4th of 2020. That's the day that my mom passed away. My mom passed away at the young age of 57. My mom was a Sagittarius. Her birthday was November 27th, 1963. I only had 27 years with her on earth. I enjoy talking about my mom and grief and how it's really changed and how it really changes you in many ways that sometimes you don't understand unless you actually go through it yourself. It's really helped me in my anger, sadness, and happy times. Let me backtrack 11 years ago. My mom had fell on black ice in our driveway at home while walking to the mailbox on a winter's morning. She slipped and she got back up right away, not thinking much of it. As the weeks and the months went on, she felt pain and a tingly sensation in her legs. She did go to the doctors, but the doctors kind of brushed it off and said, get some rest. You're overworked. Take some Advils and just relax. My mom didn't know the word relax. No one in my family knows the word relax or even the words take a break. That goes back to my ancestors. My ancestors come from the Fiji Islands. My mom would take her pain meds and still continue, continue on with her day and her work schedule. She would pick me up on my siblings up from school. I remember now it was summertime and my father's sister had come to visit from New Zealand. My mom was her driver one day and took her to the next town over from where we had originally lived. The drive going there was not bad, but the drive coming home, I remember she looked at me and she had quietly said, I'm having a hard time breaking the van because I can't feel if I'm pushing down on the brake or not. God was definitely on her side that day because we made it home safely. She mentioned all of this to my dad in the evening when he had came home from work. He was extremely worried and forced her to go to the hospital. He had said that this isn't right and something is wrong. That same night, they had both gone to the nearest hospital. She had quickly gotten an emergency MRI done and these results changed the rest of her lives. She had basically had calcium buildup on her spinal cord. I think the actual term is called spinal decompression. She went through emergency laser surgery that same night. I remember they did surgery through her throat. I thought that part was fascinating. Her surgery was actually a little complicated. The procedure 
that should have been three hours where you're just scraping the calcium from her spinal cord, from what I had thought, actually. The three-hour surgery actually had turned into a nine-hour surgery. She went under two times that day. Some of my memory from this day is going to be a fog, so please bear with me. Surgery number one had happened, and she had woke up still heavy on sedation, but she had lost all feeling to her hands and feet, and she wasn't even able to move her neck. Something had went wrong. To reverse what they had thought may have happened. Surgery number two happened. And she was actually able to move one side of her body. Better than, better than nothing, I think, now. That I think back on it 10 to 11 years after. She spent the night in the recovery room and I was allowed to go see her even though she had not woken up from surgery number two yet. I was only able to take three or four steps into the recovery room before breaking down. But when I say breaking down, I really mean breaking down. My mom was laying there with blood smeared on her chest, a breathing tube, a heart monitor, drainage tubes coming in and out of her neck. She was blown up like a fish. I was 17 at this time. I was young. I had never experienced this type of thing in my life before. Better yet, I had never imagined my own mom laying there like this. I was a mess. The nurses were holding me back. My dad was trying to calm me down. But I couldn't gather myself for the life of me. I kept asking my mom to open her eyes. I was finally there. Open, 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 mom, open, but nothing. I truly thought that I had lost my mom at that time. My father and I were told to go home and come back the next morning. The nurses will call us to let us know if anything happens if they, and if they move my mom out of the recovery room into a hospital room. I swear that was the worst drive home from the hospital, or at least that's what I had thought at that time. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even catch my breath. You know that feeling when you're just so cried out that your entire body is just zinging? Your eyes are so swollen from just tearing up and rubbing them. Now that I think back on this one particular night, I feel so bad for my dad because he had to deal with me in that state of mind while keeping it together, or at least trying to keeping, trying to keep it together for himself, myself, and my entire family. We got home that night, and as soon as we got home, my siblings, my dad, and the family members who were around us at that time, I actually think that they were my dad's brother and sister. We had a family meeting where we explained to them what had happened and what, what might happen. We all went to bed with heavy hearts. I don't think any of us actually slept. The next morning, we all got up extra early and we just waited for a phone call. Not a phone call saying my mom had woken up and we are more than welcome to come visit. We got to the hospital as soon as we could. My mom was awake and she was waiting for us. She was so happy to see us. We were so happy to see her. We didn't know what was happening. I don't even think that she knew what was happening. But we had a meeting with the surgeon and he explained to us what was actually going on. What he explained to us was that there was some severe nerve damage done to her spinal cord during the surgery and and that resulted her into becoming a paraplegic. There was damage done to her C2 and her C4. I'm assuming those are major nerves in your spinal cord now. 
She was transferred into a spinal cord rehabilitation center for eight months. Those eight months were so difficult. My father had to renovate the entire house to make sure that it was wheelchair accessible. My mom had to get trained on how to ride a powered wheelchair. We as a family had to get trained on how to use ceiling lifts, transfer sheets. It's a whole new world out there and I have so much love and respect for people in wheelchairs. Everyone has a story. Everyone's story is different. It's beautiful and it's painful. My mom was only 46 years old when she became a paraplegic. She had to learn how to write again. She had to learn how to feed herself again. She had to learn new ways of living that would make her comfortable. She went from dressing herself to showering herself to making meals for herself and her family, working six days, sometimes seven, so she can give my siblings and I everything and anything that we needed. We had strangers come into our house daily, three to four times a day, taking care of my mom. All of this was just so new to us. Out of all of this, I'm thankful that my mom never lost her patience, her gratitude, and her faith along the way. Eight months had just passed like that. I say this now, but during those eight months, it felt like a standstill. I'm thankful that during those eight months, I pushed her to start using a computer and to make a Facebook account. Facebook slowly became her best friend, and I'm so thankful that it did. Every day she woke up posting new Facebook statuses about how thankful she is and how thankful she is for God for waking her up. Now, 11 years later, one of my favorite things to do is to wake up and check my memories on anything and everything that my mom had posted in the past. It's helped me so much in grieving. She spent 10 amazing years in a wheelchair. She made the best out of anything and everything. She didn't let being confined in a wheelchair bring her down or even stop her from going places and even certain events. She always, always made her way. We got through so many milestones in those 10 years, so many memories, good, some bad. And I remember clearly, my mom was my best friend. She was my first friend and she is definitely going to be my forever friend. She will always have my back regardless if she was here Earthside or not. I always say that 27 years wasn't enough for me. My life was just literally starting. It breaks my heart to know that she won't there she will not be there for me on my wedding day. She won't be there for me when I have my own kids. She won't be there for me to even see her grandkids or any of my other siblings. But I know that she will always be a part of us and we will always be a part of her. In 2020, I was planning my dad's 60th birthday party. I had everything set from the venue, the food, the decor, the guest list. I had people flying from in from different places to come celebrate my dad's 60th birthday party. My mom had ordered her custom-made Indian outfit. She was in preparation of singing her favorite songs from when she had first met my dad in Fiji. Fun fact, they were actually 15 years old when they met. They were hanging off of tropical mango trees. She would never find me doing that, honestly. 2020 was the year that changed my life yet once again. That party that I was happily planning actually turned into planning a funeral five months later. I had to cancel my dad's 60th birthday party. 
because of the pandemic. The restrictions had kicked in at this point and there wasn't, there actually just wasn't a point in celebrating anything at this point. My mom had a super pubic catheter. That's basically a tube that comes out of your stomach that collects your urine. She went in to get a balloon change in April of 2020. Somewhere, somehow, I still don't understand. She contracted an infection coming out of that super pubic incision. She didn't know and I didn't know. My family didn't know. She had stopped eating and drinking. She always complained about being sick, not well. She spent a solid three to maybe four weeks feeling like this. I remember one morning before I was going to work, I looked at her and I said, it's time, mom. We need to call 911. We need to take you in. You don't look good. She didn't want to go. She didn't want to go because she knew that this was it. She knew that she wasn't going to return home. And for some reason, I knew it too. I couldn't hold it together. I was crying just outside of her bedroom door. Our world was in the middle of a pandemic. This was right around the era where everyone was hoarding toilet paper. Hospitals were strict with visitors who were only allowed one visitor. And that was only people that were considered essential workers. I think this is one of the reasons why my, why my mom held off in going into the hospital right away. She knew that she would be alone. When she saw me crying, she told me that she's fine and she's only going in for blood, blood work. I don't need to worry. But I was old enough and I had enough medical knowledge and experience in me to know that she was just saying these things to comfort me and those around me. As she left the house that morning, I remember we both said our I love yous and we said that we will see each other soon. I actually went four days without seeing her because of hospital restrictions. I was able to call her and speak to her over the phone. But at that point, she was in so much pain and discomfort that she didn't even have the energy to talk to me. It broke my heart every time. I did manage to see her after fighting my way through the hospital security front doors and the nurses. I'm sure I was very rude to them and probably said things, but I was desperate. I was really desperate. I just wanted my mommy. I finally saw her and the state that I saw her in was actually heartbreaking. I just wanted her home. Why did we send her to the hospital? She didn't want to go. A day or two later, I get a phone call from the doctors at the hospital. They had told me that my mom had gotten a blood infection and she's gone septic. Her kidneys are failing and she doesn't have enough blood cells. She's going to be going in for blood transfusions and do I give him permission to start that? I remember saying yes. Everything is in your hands now, doctor. Please take care of my mom. She actually had a horrible weekend that weekend in the hospital. By horrible, I mean really horrible. She went into coma. Her body went to a state of shock. It was slowly shutting down. The doctors called my dad at 1 a.m. telling him that his wife has become unresponsive. Her eyes are rolled back to her head. She's muttering something and they can't make it out. She's moaning in pain and her heartbeat is going down. She got put on a breathing ventilator and we were told to wait. Wait till someone calls us with an update. 
this was kind of like a flashback for me from 10 years ago. Do you remember that waiting game that I spoke about? I've played this game one too many times with the doctors and the hospitals and my mom. I'm not a fan of this game. I hate this game with a passion. We were told to pray. We were told to pray and we were told to see what the next steps would be as a family and if my mom had any dying wishes. We were devastated. The next morning, we had not heard from the hospital, so I made a point to call and annoy the nurses in the ICU. I begged and I begged and I begged them. I begged them to allow me or my dad to go see her. She might open her eyes. I called and I called and I called till they finally said yes, but only yes to my father going in. I'm so thankful that my father knows how to use a phone and he knows how to connect FaceTime calls because he called me right away as soon as he got into that room. As soon as I answered that phone call, I looked at my mom. She was awake, but you could tell that she was exhausted. During that phone call, I'm speaking to my mom in my native language. We speak Hindi. I asked her what happened, and she literally said to me, she came back from the other side. She's scared. She's tired. And it's time that she goes. She started telling me where the gold jewelry was kept in the house. She started telling me what she wanted during her rituals, the before, the during, and the after the funeral. She told me to take care of everyone and that I will be okay. I was literally ugly crying at this point. I just wanted to hold my mom, but the stupid pandemic and the restrictions had other plans. I wasn't able to see my mom for almost a week. She had a lot of faith, she prayed a lot, and she had a lot of good karma. So God, well, the, God, I think, was on her side. God didn't want her just yet. God allowed her to be earthside just a little bit longer and, some, and play, some tricks, well, play some tricks on us along the way. Everything happens for a reason, and I'm glad that this happened. I was able to spend six days with my mom before she passed away. From all the medical issues that my mom had, she now had to deal with all of her organs shutting down. During those six days, we sang, we prayed, we had our normal mother and daughter gossip sessions. I showed her all the sweet messages from people all around the world who were sending her love and well wishes. We had many cups of tea. We laughed together, we cried together, and most importantly, we took videos and pictures together. After those six days, God pulled some more tricks on us and pulled her away from us. My mom had became unresponsive again. At this time, there was no coming back from that. She was put on life support. She was given everything at this point to make her pain-free as possible. I was being so selfish because I just wanted my mom. I just wanted my mom to always be there for me. But I was not thinking about her. I wasn't thinking about how comfortable, how she may not be comfortable, how this must be for her. 
I know that she was tired. I know that she was exhausted. I saw the pain that she was in. I saw the drains. I saw the tubes. I saw the heart monitors, the dialysis machines. I even saw that stage four pressure wound that she had on her tailbone that was gushing out blood. She just wanted peace, but I just wanted my mom because that's all I knew. I always thought that my mom would be there for me. We, as a family, decided to pull the plug. She remained with us for two hours naturally. She opened her eyes one last time and looked at everyone. I remember we kept saying, Mom, we'll be fine. Dad will be fine. Go peacefully and come visit us in our dreams. We love you so much. And just like that, she peacefully went. At the end of the day, I just tell people that she died from a multi-organ failure because that's surely how she died. Going into detail about how everything happened to her doesn't really help anyone. It's not going to bring her back. It actually only makes me more mad that I always get questioned about, well, did you do this? Did you do that? What about this? What about that? You know, the list of questions just go on. Losing a mom and grief and grief life has changed me as a person. I'm always missing something. And that's something I think will always be my mom. I can still hear her voice. I can hear her laugh and I could hear her giggles ringing in my ears. I'm so thankful for her for bringing me into this world. She taught me so many things, but honestly, one thing that she didn't teach me is how to be without her. <clears throat> My mom was a popular girl in our little Indian community. Everyone knew who she was. She left little footprints wherever she went. Usually, a funeral in my culture is an open invite. You don't have to worry about invitations. But my mom's funeral was done during COVID times. And that came with many restrictions. I think it was about a 30 person limit for indoor gatherings at that time. But there wasn't a limit on outdoor gatherings. One thing that I probably should have mentioned earlier is that during my mom's last moments, my dad will always, always whisper in her ears and he would say, don't worry, he will come home one last time. I promise you. I never understood that. When it came to planning my mom's funeral, we decided to bring her body home one last time. Meaning we had a viewing of her body at my house in our living room. We invited 75 of our closest friends and family that we couldn't invite to the funeral home. That was intense. It was powerful. It was something different because that normally doesn't happen where I live. But my dad did everything in his power to make sure that this was something that happened and I'm forever grateful that it did. One of my cousins, her mom and myself and my sister were the ones who dressed my mom before her funeral. In our culture, I'm a Hindu actually, if you die a wife, 
you go as a bride, if that makes sense. We dressed my mom in a red bridal outfit, a sari to be exact. She looked stunning. She literally took my breath away. She had beautiful bridal jewelry on, beautiful gold glitter eyeshadow, beautiful red and gold bangles. She looked just like how she did on her wedding day. I have a very close coworker who's become family. She took everything under her wing. She decorated my mom's funeral home. She took all the collages that she took the time out to make at my house. She sat with me on my living room floor and she put these beautiful collages together that start off from my mom's childhood to teenage years, to adult life, to her getting married to my dad, to all of my siblings, to, it's just so many pictures that my friend had found and put together. I'm forever thankful for this friend. She transported my mom's wheelchair and extra large printed photos. She really held my hand the most when I needed her and I didn't even have to ask her to do anything. She did all of this from the goodness of her heart. I think that as we get older, it's hard to find friends like this or even types of people like this. So if you have people like this in your life, hold on to them. Hold on to them tightly and be grateful for them. My circle of friends and family have definitely become small. Grief has opened up my eyes about people and their true colors. My mom taught me to live my life to the fullest and do what makes you happy. Find the best in everything. Smile and laugh when you can. Keep your faith strong and love hard. People always tell me that I'm my mom's mini-me. But I can only hope that I only end up being half the woman that my mom was when she was on this earth. A fun fact about my mom. My mom had a SoundCloud account. She was a singer. (laughs) She wasn't a professional singer but she knew how to sing good songs. I'm thankful that she took the time out to upload these songs on the platform. They are forever there. I'm thankful for the last three voicemails that my mom had left me while she was in the hospital. The voicemails always start off with, Hi, Jen. This is mom. Call me back. I love you. I'm thankful for all the Facebook messages, the emails that we exchanged back and forth. I can honestly spend hours and hours reading back on them. One thing that my mom always said to me was good morning, good night. Always asked me if I'm okay, if I ate. And she always said, I love, I love you. She even always even stayed up for me and waited for me to get home before she went to bed herself. A couple things that have helped me over the last year and a half are my family members, my close friends, my dog, and most importantly, talking to the sky. I talk to the sky often. I try and cook my mom's favorite foods. I listen to her music. 
some of her music have a whole new meaning to that meaning to me now. I look at my mom's pictures. I'm obsessed with her pictures. I would ask anyone and everyone for pictures of my mom and if they would take the time out to look through their photo albums. I share a lot. Sometimes I feel like I overshare, but it helps me a lot. I enjoy talking about her. And I just wanna say thank you, Beth, again, and everyone else who has taken the time out to listen to my story today. Mom, if you're here, I hope you're happy. Life is not the same, but I hope you're living your best life in heaven. We miss you down here, but thank you for giving me your strength and your courage to continue. And I cannot wait for the day I see you again. I love you. Always and forever, Janica. Oh, well, that is just beautiful. That was just beautiful, Janica. And your mom's um, native name is Shabna? Yeah. Yeah. You told me that before we started. Yeah, that's okay. I just wanted to say, because you told me that before we started recording and I thought, what a beautiful name, what a beautiful name. Um, And it just kind of resonates with everything that you said about the kind of person, you know, that she was. Um, One of the things that struck me was your, your relationship with your dad. Um, Like, I, I think because like you said, that waiting game that you had to play two times together and the fact that your dad um, had to try to know how to support you as a 17-year-old the first time it happened when she had the two surgeries. Um, for, to me, it sounds like you've got you you have an extremely close relationship, but I don't want to, I don't want to make that assumption. No, I have me and my dad have a really good relationship. Um, we've always had a good relationship. Well, as much as it stinks what you and your dad have been through, I mean, like, that's why my sister and I were so close because we had gone through, you know, everything together with my mom. And I did have a close relationship with my dad too, but you guys just sound like, you know, um, that you have, have, have things that you've shared that only the two of you experienced that together. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And you can say things that only he'll understand and I'm sure vice versa, him for you. I loved, I loved that she was buried in a wedding dress. I love that tradition that if, if when you die, if you're a, a, a wife. It was actually cremated. I didn't mention that in, in the okay. thing. Okay. Um, we get cremated in our culture. Okay. So we spread her. Okay. So she got cremated and then we had to pray for 13 days and then we spread her ashes in the water okay but you had a viewing with her body oh yeah yeah yeah, right yeah right okay so after that she was cremated and then you pray for 13 days I just love this I I told you before we started recording I think I want to do a podcast on different traditions different cultural traditions I'd love to fill you in yeah yeah I would love to hear it I would love to hear it um the other thing um, that you, you said is uh, you had a hard time with when you knew that she was so sick and in so much, so much pain and that you, but you selfishly still wanted her here. Um, you're only a year and a half in, right? It's only been about a year and a half without your mom. And, and I, 
And unfortunately, I told you this too, that it's been 38 years for me and I still, yeah. I still <laughs> yeah. sometimes I think I'm not a help. <laughs> Something, you know, that I'm supposed to be, uh, supposed to be, you know, offering support and help. But then I said, sorry, Janica, but it's still going on for 38 years that you will still miss your mom. But that's because she was such an important part of your life. But I have recently, I was telling telling you that I wanted to wait and tell you this year is that I've been recently thinking more about my sister in heaven just this past week was the was two years since she died and I've just been thinking about her a lot more being in heaven um and I've been thinking about like she can't she can't if she knows no pain she can't understand how much I miss her because that would cause her pain you know what I mean so when I feel those moments, like you, you know, you said this, you, you talk to this guy and that you, you guys told your mom, come see us in, in our dreams. I have times when I can sense a connection with my sister, even though she's not here. And it always seems like it's coming at, at those times when like, I need her. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought like that she can, you know, sense that I need her. And I still think that she can, but it's just got to be out of like pure white, unconditional love mm-hmm. that's what it has to be because she can't know how much I miss her because that would cause her pain she probably doesn't also remember that she had cancer because that would cause her pain and when I start to really think about all those things um my sister also had an almost 10 year battle and and I often say that if Will could keep a person alive, Will to live, she would still be here. But her body was just depleted after all of the, you know, chemo and radiations and surgeries and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I think it takes a while to start thinking about things in those terms. Um, But and like I said, I'm not I'm not also a fan of toxic positivity. Like I'm not trying to make something happy, you know, and and uh, out of something that is hard and painful that happened. Um, but I do believe she's in heaven. So mm. I'm, I'm extremely grateful that she's not in any pain. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you'll have to decide if you let me tag your mom's SoundCloud in the podcast show notes, if you want people to be, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. So if you guys want to see if Janica gave me permission or not, you can check out the show notes. If it's not there, then sorry. Um, but that is something that potentially we could put into the show notes. And so I normally, you know, do finish with if you have like some final tip to share or something, some sort of takeaway that you want the listeners to hear. Do you have anything that you'd want to wrap up with? I have something to do with photos, just like, you know. But nothing like I just I took a lot of photos during the funeral and dressing her and re looking at those photos now. It's comforting as weird as as it is. Maybe it's just, you know, find uh, uh, people find connections in different ways, you know, like you said, through music and through photos. And so just, you know, whatever it works for people to find ways to continue connect and and to keep their memories alive. And at least that's what I try to do. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy. Nobody knows about the technical difficulties that we've gone through. All right, Janica, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you.
If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief.